Blog Talk Radio.
tracking who we mean And call this liberty Set up in the morning, 
and he doesn't leave until he's helped me get everything packed away. And uh, and he is just a uh, an absolutely fantastic guy. He's a veteran. He was a uh, sergeant major in the in the military, and uh, he was a uh, long range recon patrol. Uh, when they first started there in the uh, uh, in the Mekong Delta in Vietnam, and uh, he ran two tours there, so I want to thank him for his service to the country, and then for his continuing service there at Appleseed. Uh, he is just uh, a stand-up fellow. It's Larry Coonrad, reliable on the uh, on the forum, and uh, I want you to pick somebody right now and call in at 347-308-8790. Call in right now and uh, and tell them thank you on the air so that they can hear it. <clears throat> yes, we expect folks to do a good job. We expect that. Uh, and folks are not doing a good job so they can get a pat on the back. They're doing a good job because that's what they're supposed to be doing is doing a good job. However, that doesn't mean that you can't tell them uh, thanks for doing a good job. So so be sure and do that. I'm going to try and get a cup of coffee to do, to go, to do the show with, and uh, apparently it is beyond my my technical ability to do it. Or maybe I did. <clears throat> uh, so that's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to call in three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero and uh and tell somebody on your crew, on your local crew, tell them thank you that you appreciate what they're doing. All right, we have uh I paid for fifty lines on the radio station so that you guys could uh bum rush it with your congratulations. We'll also take calls on folks that are starting any kind of commercial venture. If you're starting some kind of commercial uh venture and you would like to offer it to your uh, Appleseed brothers and sisters, and we'd be glad to to help you do that. And if you do the the word that uh, the word from uh, from me here is that uh, if you can get some goods or services from an Appleseed member, uh, then go there first. Go there first and get that so that we can uplift each other. All right. Uh, we've got uh, uh, or. Hold on, I've got, uh, I've got Fisher Dog from Alaska, and he's calling from Alaska, and I want to keep him, I want to keep him on the line, uh, holding too long, so I'm going to bring him on. Uh, Fisher Dog, welcome to the show. You've got an AAR for uh, for the last Alaska shoot, right? Yeah, that's right, Scout. We uh, well, had a great us- time last last weekend out in Kugiak, and uh, had uh, three uh, individuals qualify riflemen. Including myself, which I'm kind of pleased about, and uh, three new orange hats. Well, that's excellent. Now, the guys that qualified riflemen, did they? Uh, did any of the folks that qualified riflemen uh, put their hand out and ask for a hat? Uh, yeah, all three of us did. No kidding. Oh, you were one of them too. I missed that somehow, Fisher Dog. Congratulations to you. And I know that well, you've been working real hard at it. Did any of the uh uh yeah, I remember you and I talking about dry firing practice. Did the, did any of that come into play? Did any of that help you? Well it made made all the difference. 
as well as many, many good things Eric McCabe, the shoot boss, had taught us. But, uh, you know, it really does come down to the six steps of taking the shot and natural point of aim and just the essentials of the things we teach at Appleseed and a matter of uh, applying them on a consistent basis. So Absolutely. Uh, it, Absolutely. And you get the, the things that you have to do. You have to build a stable shooting position. You absolutely must build a stable shooting position because that's where everything else flows from. If you don't have a stable shooting position, then any shots you're taking are going to be uh, like Russian roulette because because you're unstable. Then you have to execute this shot by the six steps, and you have to know what your natural point of aim is. You know how to determine it and then shift it onto the target. So congratulations to you and your two buddies. Let's uh, give us their names. So that, uh, so that we can uh, all hear their names. You bet. Uh, Mel, who is uh, Taka222 on the forum, and uh, Ryan, who is Graybird on the forum, also qualified. There's some great pictures out there on the Chugiak uh, August 25-26 of us uh, with with Eric. Uh, he's an, uh, it's an SKS on the forum, of course. Uh, some great pictures of the shoot. And of us huddled you, up. You've got, a, you got the uh, after action already up on the forum with the pictures? It is. It is. Okay, perfect. And that's on the last board, right? Yeah, um, it, it's on the after action report board under Chugiak, okay. Alaska, August 25 and 26. Okay, perfect. Listen, everybody go there and take a look because uh, we really uh, are proud of uh, our Alaskan brothers and sisters because. Uh, they're doing the uh, they're doing basically the same thing that uh, the Californians did, which is uh, the minute we open the door and turn the key, uh, all their engines started. And uh, I hope that this continues to be the case. And Alaska Alaska continues uh, to grow at the speed that it's growing. When is your next shoot, uh, uh, October twentieth and twenty first is, is the next shoot, and that'll be kind of the end of the season for us until next spring. Yeah, that's by October. It's pretty. Uh, it's 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 getting real close there, isn't it? When are you going to get your first snow? Well, uh, the average day of first snow around here is about October fifteenth, so <laughs> it could be during the shoot. <laughs> but usually by good. Halloween, we've had some. That's so. good. You should you should be shooting your rifle in all types of inclement weather: rain, snow, sleet, wind, mosquitoes. So, well, come on to Alaska. You can do all that here on the same day. <laughs> and I can't wait. Uh, I'm I'm dying to get out there. I don't. I'll figure out some way. I'll figure out some way to get out there and come to a shoot. Okay. Mark my words. I'll I'll figure out some way to get out there and, and visit with you guys and and do a shoot with you guys because uh, I would love to go there. Uh, oh, that'd be really cool. How many, yeah, were, I hope how many folks were at the shoot? Uh, we had 18 on Saturday, and I think there were 12 that held over for Sunday on a, on a cold, rainy day. It poured rain at times on us, so it was rough. Did it, did it rain on Saturday? No, Saturday was beautiful. Sun was out. Very nice. And so it was about it was a 20, 25 degree difference between the two days. So. Well, I'm always amazed uh, at apple seed folks because uh, you know we had uh, the Appleseed here, uh, let's see, it wasn't last weekend, I don't think, week, weekend before, and uh, and it was just burning hot on Saturday, 
then it rained and it was ice cold, uh, you know, for a few hours, and then, then it got hot again. And then there was supposed to be rain the next day, and uh, and here was uh, our whole crew, who were all uh, uh, all soaking wet, and uh, and they came back on. Uh, they came back on uh, Sunday, and uh, and they were all there, and that's knowing well, that's that. There you go. Yeah, knowing that uh, it would, could quite could, could very possibly rain on them again, they still came back. And uh, you know, I, I tell you, they always uh, I'm always amazed at it. I'm no longer surprised by it because uh, because I've seen it enough. But I'm always amazed by it. I'm amazed by the fact that they that they will do that. That they'll come back knowing full well that they could go through that same soggy mess that they went through the day before and they still show up and determined. Not all of them do but a, but a good portion of them do and it's kind of like a uh, you know like a, a, a chafe uh, winnowing machine or you know or a, a thinner you know you get the, the inclement weather and some of the folks are just going to start bailing. Uh, they don't have perseverance and uh and some do. And at the end of the day on that next Sunday, when those folks were still there, and it rained all day again Sunday, and they're still there to the very bitter end uh, shooting AQTs, man, those are the folks that uh, I want in Appleseed. Well, that's for sure. And we've got a bunch of them up here, so it's a, it's a good thing. Well, I hope that you guys, if you get snow on, uh, on the next shoot, I hope that it is a light, dry, fluffy snow uh, coming down in big, uh, soft flakes, very lightly, in uh, in like uh, maybe uh, 28 degrees. That's not too cold for you guys. No, that'd be all right. We could hand out some winter seed patches too if some are. <laughs> that, that would be neat. Well, what what's what happens? What's the big change now? In Alaska, what's going to be the big change that you guys are going to see as you go from your summer into your winter? I mean, uh, I know that uh, a lot of the roads and stuff and places are going to close, right? And uh, people are going to stop being outside as much, as I'm sure. Well, that's that's true. Certainly the tourists go home here uh, in another week or two. The last of the cruise ships pay their visits mid-September, and, and all the summer crowds are gone and, and things thin out. And, and of course, hunting season goes on in, until October, but uh, then it's just over to winter sports uh, once once snow flies and everything is frozen up good and hard by mid-November. And uh, we really shift gears and go for the snow stuff, and you got to have your snow tires on and the vehicle winterized and the house buttoned up and everything put away. <laughs> and right. Stay, and close the, uh, stay close to the home fires. <laughs> the folks in uh, up north, like in New York, uh, I remember one of the first times I went up there in the winter, and uh, you know, and it was it was thick, there was deep snow everywhere, and and you know, every day uh, you had to snowplow the driveways. All you had to do was the driveway because they have they're geared up for it. Uh, like in you know up north, you guys are geared up for it. Get the snow plows out. Get the 
salt trucks going and everything is nice and clean. But I remember asking them, I go, man, you know, what do you what do you do once it's winter and it's so cold and, and nasty and stuff like that? And nobody goes outside. Like, what do you guys do? They said, well, we all just stay inside and drink. <laughs> Sounds uh, somewhat like Alaska <laughs> in some in some segments. But uh, as as for me, I'll be in dry firing and maybe just a little bit of cross country skiing too. <laughs> well, you got to oh, cross country skiing. I, I haven't done much of that. You know, I did some of that when I was with. Uh, the uh, uh, G Company, Long Range Recon Patrol folks, and we went up to uh, Ripley, Minnesota for a winter warfare school, and they had us mm-hmm. doing cross-country skiing on these old World War II uh, skis. It was canvas and wood, and uh, oh. man, let me tell you, man, it was uh, it was kind of a, a disaster. I wish I could have filmed all of it because a, a good portion of it was just sheer ridiculousness. You know, whenever you're uh, you're you're going cross country, not really on any trail, just through the woods and stuff, and and all of a sudden you've got to start going down a steep hill, and it's a bunch of you, and you, you're pulling this uh, big sled with you. You know, you're tied to it, and the sled uh, takes off down the hill first, and it's pulling everybody with it like a huge sled dog. And, uh, you know, and we're trying to go through the trees and the brush and everybody's getting smacked and falling down and everything. It was uh, it was pretty hideous. Plus, the temperature got down to, they sent out a warning on us uh, one night while we were on patrol. They sent out a warning and said, everybody uh, make camp, bunker down. And, uh, you know, they suspended uh, all of the, the regular stuff because it was supposed to get down with the wind chill and everything to, like, uh, 60 degrees below zero. Oh, and, uh, and man, let me tell you, it it, uh, it was a cold, uh, cold, cold night. And uh, I'd always seen those, uh, you know, like in the movies and stuff, they have folks like spitting and it freezes when it hits the ground. And I always thought that was a bunch of BS, but uh, but apparently it's not. Uh, no, no, it's as long as it's real, real cold, it's not. <laughs> you don't you don't want to be there when that's happening. Let me tell you. <laughs> well, I'm really glad that. Uh, that you guys have got this going. Does any, is there anywhere there's an indoor range you can shoot? There is an indoor range. I don't know if we've looked into that. Uh, and it's more of a pistol range than a rifle range uh, up near Palmer, Alaska. But uh, I, I suppose we should go pay them a visit and see if that's a possibility of adding them, especially for a winter shoot. That would be really yeah, cool. Yeah, why don't you do that? Does, because, listen, it doesn't, have to be, it doesn't have to be 82 feet. You know, it can be 20 meters. Hell, it can be 15 meters. It really doesn't matter. Uh, because you're working on your uh, technique, you're working on uh, on honing the skills and building the techniques. And you can do that at any distance, you know, as long as they let mm-hmm. you get uh, get down and prone and seated and stuff like that with your uh, rimfire rifles. Then then there should be no problem. Yeah, check them out. See if they'll let you. Uh, uh, see if they'll if they will let you shoot there. Yeah. That's that's a good idea, Scott. I hadn't been thinking about that place, but uh, I'll, I'll put that on my list. Anything else, Fisher Dog? No, that's crew about here it. Tonight? Just another another really big thanks to Eric McCabe uh, as shoot well, listen, boss for all the instruction, that, uh, especially for myself and for Mel and and for Ryan too, the other two riflemen. He was key to our success. We really appreciate. I want to I want to tell you how how proud I am of you guys, Fisher Dog, uh, for the assistance. 
and uh, and for staying with it, and then uh, for deciding to become part of the program, part of the crew. And I want to give you a big handshake and uh, and welcome you into the crew with uh, with high hopes of you guys uh, taking Alaska by storm. Absolutely. Thank you, Scout, and you're welcome. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. We sure appreciate uh, Fisher Dog calling in and giving us the uh, the after action for Alaska. And I'm very excited about it, and I wish there was some way I could get up there. And uh, I'm sure that uh, at some point there there will be. Uh, I want to bring on now uh, Old God from up in uh, Maine. And uh, he wants to give us a uh, gives a shout out to just he says somebody who made riflemen and, and who would that be old guy? That would be North Country Lady. And uh, now is she somehow related to you? She is. She is my wife. <laughs> well, congratulations to her and congratulations to yeah. you too. Uh, oh, thank you. She's uh, she's been to rifle seeds in six states. She's got a blue hat. She is uh instructor scheduler. Last year in the summertime, she had a bad time. She was in the hospital for eight weeks, and she was scheduling apple seed shoots on a laptop from her hospital bed. <laughs> I kid you not. Well, I yep. believe it. She gets around in a power wheelchair. In fact, she's got a spare power wheelchair. She's got two of them. And I made shooting platforms for both of them. So that she can she can uh, support the rifle, and we have a loaner. We've got uh, we've used a loaner three or four times. She's quite uh, involved in adaptive apple seed, and we've had we've had shooters use our other wheelchair. And uh, two weeks ago, or almost two weeks ago now, she fired riflemen at Columbia, Maine. Well. Congratulations to her, and uh, be sure and tell her that uh, that I'm very, very proud of her, and I'm and that I'm very, very uh, grateful for her work, for her efforts there, and uh, and her determination and stick to itiveness. Uh, certainly, she is uh, she's dedicated to persevering if she's doing her work from her hospital bed and flying around in her wheelchair doing the work, then uh, she's definitely dedicated to it. So be sure and tell her that I said congratulations and, uh, and that I I'm very, very to, proud uh, of her. I away to the Appleseed store, and today she got a, a lapel pin, a rifleman lapel pin. came in the mail today. And what is it? It's it's a little pin. It goes on on your shirt or your – she's got it on her blue oh, hat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't know they had them. I just looked. I was. I wanted to get uh, some stickers, and I thought they had the pin, so I I bought the pin. Came today. Well, excellent. And I bet she was happy, wasn't she? She was delighted. Well, I'm very very proud of her. Like I said, I'm proud of you too. You've been working really hard uh, uh, in your neck of the woods for a long time, old guy, and. Uh, and we are very, very grateful for you to have you there and have you there working with us. Well, thank you. Well, what do you have coming up? Well, I got 
two weekends back to back next month. We got uh, we've got uh, Freeman Township. How's that for a name? It's a really kind of real rural town in western Maine, up in the mountains. Beautiful place. And then the following weekend we've got Columbia on down on the coast of Maine. By the way, when instructors come to Maine, we feed them lobster. We had at Columbia two weeks ago. We had uh, 36 lobsters. And wow. we couldn't eat them all. We couldn't eat them all. We had to have lobster salad for Sunday lunch. <laughs> True. Well, I wish we had that problem. I really yeah. do like the. Uh, I really do like the lab, uh, lobsters, but. Uh, well, but you know, this is we got something going in Maine right now that it's astounding. Lobster is less expensive than hot dogs. Hot dogs are three dollars and fifty cents a pound, and lobster is three dollars a pound. Oh my gosh! The world has gone upside down. See, we we've got the we got the opposite here. We got uh, hot dogs like at sixty eight cents for uh, I guess it's a pound, sixty eight cents for uh, you know for eight large ones. And uh, I'm not sure I can tell you how much the lobster is, but we my wife and I do uh, like once or twice a year we will we will go to some restaurant and we'll order a steak and lobster and. Uh, and I know that they're expensive that way, but the, but they also have to travel uh, several thousand miles to get here too. Oh yeah, yours uh, oh, yours only have to travel a couple of miles. Yeah, about about two about uh, about two miles from the boat to the range at Columbia, Maine. <laughs> yeah, and they're fresh. Man, oh man! And how big are they? How big are the the lobsters that you're getting? They usually pound of a half, two pounds. And that's a pretty good size lobster, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Natural. Come out of clean water. Maine lobster is the whole, best in the whole world. Yes, absolutely. Up there in Alaska, I got those uh, those uh, Alaskan king crabs. So they put one of our lobsters to shame when it comes to size. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like those too. Uh, yeah. I like uh, I, I like a, a lot of seafood. My wife doesn't. She eats. She'll eat the lobster once a year, but uh, yeah. other than that, she's not too much on it. I like all seafood. I like uh, just about everything you can you can imagine. Uh, I'm yeah. willing to eat most any kind of seafood. Well, what about uh, what about any of the rest of your crew members? Uh, anybody the rest any any of the rest of the guys in your crew that uh, are doing a good job? Well, the president of the club at uh, Columbia, his uh, forum name is Boreas, and uh, he's, he took an orange hat last year, and he's he's uh, he's all reliable, and uh, he he looks like uh, what I imagine that uh, Hezekiah Wyman would look like, you know, <laughs> white hair, blowing white hair, and a white beard, and. Uh, You've got one guy that rides in on a Russian motorcycle with a sidecar. <laughs> and we got Maggie. Maggie took the orange hat uh, last fall. And uh, oh, she, she's the, uh, our only lady instructor in Maine. But it puts the ladies at ease. So it, uh, we've got a good crew here coming along. Well, we're really proud of all of you guys and... Uh, 
certainly proud of you and your wife. And tell your wife that uh, that I said uh, congratulations and uh, and and thanks for the job that she's doing there. And you guys keep up the good work and uh, and keep running events and keep adding events. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, listen. Thank you, sir. And uh, be sure and uh, give us a call. Uh, anytime you have uh, an after action or anytime you got any new news on your instructors, okay? Okay, thank you. You got a good topic tonight, too. All right, thank you. Yep, tonight. <clears throat> okay, and uh, that's what I like to hear. That's what I'd like for you guys to do is uh, is give us a call at uh, 347-308-8790 so that we can hear about your crew, so that the rest of the country can hear about your crew and uh, and uh, and find out what's going on uh, across the nation, who's doing what, who the other folks are. Uh, uh, I think this is, this is important for you to hear the names of the folks uh, across the nation, your brothers and sisters that uh, are working just as hard as you are in uh, putting on events, uh, moving the uh, mission forward, and uh, uh, and helping to preserve the freedoms and liberties uh, that living in this nation affords us. All right, we'll leave the uh, the phone lines open. You're welcome to call in uh, anytime during the show with uh, with questions or comments. Uh, uh, after actions, uh, congratulations, any of that, you can call into 347-308-8790, and, uh, and we'll get you on the air. Uh, I'd like to uh, very quickly uh, tell you that uh, Chuck Undersea, who was the director for the movie uh, Behold a Pale Horse, and Appleseed had a, uh, uh, a small part in that movie, and it's the one that uh, was uh, uh, narrated by Kenny Rogers, and he wrote the music for it. <clears throat> Not Kenny Rogers. The, uh, I, I'm having a brain freeze now. It's not Kenny Rogers. It's uh, uh, Devil Went Down to Georgia. Uh, anyway, uh, he's putting on a... Uh, he's making... The, the movie available to folks to put in their local movie theaters. Say you're like in uh, one of the smaller towns and you've got the, the local movie theater there. If you would like to uh, to host the movie, then uh, he will give you a uh, uh, the uh, the movie gear stuff to. Uh, uh, to in order for you to show it there at one of your local theaters. Now, usually what you can do is you can talk to, to the theater and get them to lease you the theater for one night. Uh, uh, he was telling me that uh, quite a few people have been doing this. He said usually in some of the smaller towns you can you can lease the theater for around you know two to three hundred dollars for an evening, and then he'll give you the uh, uh, the the stuff to, the uh, whatever it is, if it's a DVD, I don't remember what he said, but it's a DVD that you can play there uh, for the movie. And then 
and then he will give you also copies of the film uh, that you can sell there. He'll give you the, the, the copies of the film at his price, and then what you can do is you charge the folks, and, and he's not going to charge you for leasing the movie, all right? So you pay the movie theater, uh, whatever it is, to lease from them, and then uh, you promote it and everything and get it uh, get the people to come. And you can get the folks to come for, I don't know, uh, six, seven, eight bucks, maybe even ten bucks a piece. And uh, so you got a hundred people come in, and then you got a thousand bucks. You can that'll pay for your uh, for your movie lease, and then you can anybody who wants to buy a, a copy of the DVD. He'll give it to you at his price, and then you can uh, add on the retail cost to it, and then you can sell the DVDs to people. And I, I think this is like an absolutely uh, fantastic offer from Chuck. And I was asking him, I said, "Well, how do you? Where does your benefit come from?" And he said, "His benefit comes from folks seeing the information." And uh, if you guys haven't heard of it, it's uh, the movie is "Behold uh, a Pale Horse," and uh, Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, well, I'm headed to work on a different computer tonight because uh, mine has developed a glitch in it, so I don't have any of the information to give to you on the uh, on the website for it. Uh, Sam might have it. Sam, if you have it, can you put it up there or uh, a whisper what it is in my ear, uh, or just or just say it out loud over the air? I think it's uh, Heartland Heartlands. Uh, pictures.tv or something. Anyway, if you have that, put it up. And if not, uh, I'll get that to you. But if any of you guys want to do this, just send me an email or a PM, and I'll get you uh, in touch with the director. And then uh, you can uh, check with your local theaters, see if you can lease the theater from them. And then uh, what I would think would be a great idea is you do this, and then... uh, and then at the end of the show, at the end of the, the showing of it, then introduce Appleseed and introduce what we're doing to help uh, preserve the freedoms and liberties of this nation and get folks to sign up for events uh, right then and there and uh, and make sure that they don't leave without uh, Appleseed, uh, you know, promo stuff. So I think this would be a great way for you to maybe make some money and to uh, uh, to get the word out about Appleseed, you could have uh, you could do the the movie on uh, one night, and then uh, have the like a library seed set up to follow it very quickly, and uh, and then an actual Appleseed to follow that. So in the space of two weeks, you could have the have the movie, have the library seed. And then have an actual apple seed there. I think that you could draw in a lot of folks that way. And uh, and if you would like to get uh, some more information, go ahead and uh, uh, PM me or email me. You can uh, my email is range scout, all one word, lowercase, r a n g e s c o u t at hughes h u g h e s Dot net. All right. Uh, and my phone number is two five four two one seven one three two five. You can PM me, uh, email me, or call me 
and we'll we'll I'll help you get it set up, and uh, and I think it would be a great deal, a chance for you to uh, to make a little bit of money and to draw folks in, and then uh, get them also onto the next step, which would be uh, like a library seed or get them directly into an apple seed event. You could do this uh, like uh, two weeks before your apple seed event, uh, so that you could uh, plug in. Uh, getting folks to come to an event because we're going to be in the movie, so they'll see us in the movie, and uh, and we are we are in there to show people one of the things that they can do uh, to uh, to help preserve the freedoms and liberties uh, that we enjoy by living in this nation, and uh, I think this would be a great way to to get them to an event. <clears throat> All right, so if you guys want to. Uh, to find out more about that, you can contact me, and I'll help you get it all set up. And uh, uh, I'll also tell you that uh, that I'm working with uh, with uh, Chuck Untersee and uh, several of the other, of the other folks, and uh, and uh, and I'm, I'm not going to say a whole lot about it right now. But we're working on uh, a project, a uh, Patriot project, and uh, I'll have more information for that for you on that. Uh, as it comes about, but uh, it sounds like a really great project, and uh, it uh, it kind of flows out of uh, uh, out of the tagline in the movie, where they're talking about uh, they need uh, a thousand Paul Revere's, and uh, the narrator says, uh, uh, "Let's ride, let's ride, boys." We need a thousand Paul Revere's, and uh, I think it's going to be—I uh, think it's going to be a great project. And I'll let you know more about it as it uh, as it comes along. <clears throat> All right. What uh, we wanted to talk about tonight is uh, is first of all, who is the government? You know, we 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 hear we constantly hear on radio and TV about the government. The government this, the government's doing that. The government is uh, doing this. Some people are anti-government. Some people are pro-government. And so what is the government? What is the actual government? Well, I'll tell you right now. The government is not the president. The government is not uh, the senators or congressmen or any of the alphabet acronym agencies uh, who are uh, attempting uh, to control the people in the United States. The government is uh, is listed very clearly in the documents that founded this nation. It's the people, all right? Now, I, I know that uh, for the most part I preach to the choir, but but because it is known, uh, I think that a lot of times it's taken for granted. It's taken for granted that we, the people, are the government. Uh, so when people are talking about the government does this or the government does that, then you're talking about yourself because you are the government. So... That being said, how good a job have you been doing? 
how good a job has you been doing at governing the nation? Because at the end of the day, the bottom of the page, you are the governing body of this nation. Uh, Each individual person, uh, and then taken together as a whole, the people, are the governing body. Now, we send folks to Washington uh, in order to represent us, to to see that our needs uh, are heard, that our wishes are heard, and they're there to represent us uh, in the business of running the nation. Well, it seems somewhere along the way there's been a a disconnect uh, because the folks that are sent uh, to Washington to represent us are public servants. That's actually the, the name of the business that they are operating in. They are public servants. They are the servants. And yet, here we are, 2012, going to them on bended knee uh, to beg for a boon from them. And and this is horribly wrong. Uh so, and if that's the case, then I think that what you need to do is you need to ask yourself, what kind of a nation do you want to live in? What kind of a nation do you want to live in? Do you want to be free to decide where you work, uh, where you live? what you eat, how you spend your money. Is that the kind of a nation that you want to live in? Because we're speeding away from that at breakneck speed. We're racing away from that that idea of a nation. And if we are, then who is to blame? Who has allowed this? Who has allowed this to happen? I imagine if you had uh if you had a dog and and you left the fence open uh where your dog was uh closed in, if you left the fence open and the dog went off took off running down the street and ran straight over to your neighbor's house and grabbed a hold of his leg and started shaking it, then when it's all over do you think that you can go, that you can walk, and the guy in the neighbor comes to you and he goes, hey, look at my leg. Look what just happened. Look what look what your dog did. And you, I don't think that you could get away with saying, well, that's the dog's fault. The dog did that. It's certainly not me. That's the dog. The dog did it. Uh, I don't think that would work because you are responsible for the dog's action. Now, I'm not calling the senators and congressmen dogs, uh, but it's the same thing. You can't, uh, at the end of the day, you can't say, look at what, uh, look at what they've done. Look at how they messed it up. Look at how they have destroyed this nation because you sent the guy there. You sent him there to do a job. And if he didn't do it and you didn't, uh, get rid of him or get somebody else in there, then it's going to be your fault. 
what is the cost of doing our jobs uh, as government as govern governing bodies poorly? What is the cost of it? Well, certainly, it eventually will end up being the loss of the freedoms and liberties that we enjoy. I don't have to tell you right now that times are tough. And uh, and I don't think I have to tell you that it's a good bet that they're going to get tougher, that things are going to get a lot worse before they get better. How are we going to fix this? What are we going to do uh, if it is fixable, if it is indeed fixable, what are we going to do to fix this? Uh, I'm telling you, I'm thinking that that uh, we're going to have to make sure that we're working in, on a two-phase program because, because I don't know how... Uh, how much time we have? I don't know. I don't know how much how, how much time we're going to have before something happens. Now I can tell you, I don't think that something is going to happen like uh, uh, like an asteroid coming or a uh, or a uh, that we're going to go into. Uh, uh, We're going to go into some kind of a uh, immediate uh, end of a nation event, and everything just one day, everything is going to shut down, and it's going to uh, uh, it's going to be something where uh, where everything is lost at once. I think that within uh, the next uh, few years, we're going to get uh, a step down in stages. I think that. Uh, I think that financially, I think that our nation has so overextended itself that I don't, I don't know that there is a way out of the damage, out of the mess that we have created. I don't know if there is. Uh, I'm going to continue to bail. I'm going to continue to do the work that. Uh, that I feel is important with Appleseed, uh, I'm going to do it until uh, until the last uh, bit of the ship uh, goes under the waves. But I'm telling you that uh, that uh, that I don't know how how we could have gotten so far uh, off track. And of course, it doesn't happen all at once. And the other things about uh, about human nature is that we very rarely, if ever, uh, make any kind of a uh, any kind of a serious change in our lives and our our theories and practices of uh, uh, of our of our way of living of our government uh, uh, that. We don't make any changes until we're forced to. I don't think that's human nature all over. And I certainly want folks to understand that uh, it doesn't matter 
it doesn't matter if you think it can happen or not because because it can just to be of you wishing uh or uh or closing your eyes to the fact that it can happen uh is not going to do you any good it certainly has already happened to us if you look back even in a fairly recent history if you look to you only have to look as far back as great grandpa history if uh if any of you who have, who are in your uh 30s 40s and 50s if you have a great grandfather who's still alive uh or even if you have a, a a grandfather that's still alive they can tell you that it can happen they were there they went through it If you go to uh, Argentina and ask them if they think it can happen, uh, they'll be they'll be certainly be able to tell you uh, absolutely it can happen because they just went through it recently. Look at Greece. These this these are not uh, uh, tiny third world nation countries. These are uh, these are top of the line uh, first world nation countries and. And they've they've managed to destroy themselves economically. <clears throat> and I can tell you another thing, and that is, if it happens to America, it's going to be completely uh, it's going to be completely horrible, completely ugly, because everybody who's connected to America, and that's just about everybody, when we unzip and we go down, they're all going down with us. We're going to pull everybody, all of the rest of the nations in the world down with us. And if you don't think it can happen, then you're hiding your head in the sand. <clears throat> I've got to tell you that, uh, that obviously our own government must think that something uh, can happen. If we have to, if the folks who are trying to buy uh, long-term survival food, if we have to stand in line behind the government because the government is buying uh, 20 million meals here, 30 million meals over here, uh, and putting them in their stock over the last year or two, uh, if they, if we have to wait in line to buy ammunition behind all the government agencies who are stockpiling it. Then something is going to happen, or at least somebody thinks something is going to happen. And you can throw my name in the hat too, because I think that something's going to happen. And now I'm not telling you this as a doomsayer. I'm telling you this uh, as a person who thinks that we better get serious about running our mission. We better get serious about this. Because I don't know how much time we have left. Uh, we may have uh, six months. Uh, we may have a year. Uh, according to the Mayan calendar, I think it ends in just a few months. So maybe we don't have anything to worry about at all. Maybe if, the, if all of the, the Earth, if the tectonic plates uh, all shift and shoot under each other, then uh, we don't really have to worry about a lot, I guess. We'll all be uh, sitting in the magma. <clears throat> But I don't really see that happening, all right? Uh, what I see is 
and I don't know that it matters a lot uh, who makes who makes it to president uh, this year. I don't know. I don't know that it matters at all. And I don't know if they could do anything. <laughs> the only thing I think that'll work is if the government steps up and does the things that need to be done. And, of course, you already know that when I say the government, I'm talking about us, I'm talking about the people. And and even with all of the people standing up, I don't know that that's going to work. I'm damn sure going to try it, and I hope that everybody else is too. I hope that everybody else is going to be just as serious about this as it is serious. I hope you're going to continue to try and get the word out to as many people as you can to start start taking up the responsibilities that are theirs, their their own individual, undelegatable, open-ended responsibility to preserving the freedoms and liberties of this nation, to preserving the heritage and the way of life that we have developed here over the last... Uh, 235 years because it is serious. It's very, very serious. We're we're balancing on a knife edge. And you guys have heard me say this before when I've told the stories of uh, of Trenton and Princeton and 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 all of the all of the times if you look back through history all of the times where our nation has teetered on the brink of failure it was never the nation as a whole that fixed it it was never the nation as a whole that saved it it has always been a small determined group of men and women who saved the nation a small, determined group. That's us. Now, you may, I'm sure that most people listening are are thinking, that's ridiculous. How are we going to, how are we going to do this? I mean, how, how are just, uh, how is me doing a shoot uh, going to fix this? Well, Every time you wake up another person, every time you get another person online and you explain to them uh, about their heritage, about their uh, sacred obligation to the nation, every time you explain to somebody and get them to understand, you don't know who it is that you're speaking to. You have no idea who it is that you're speaking to. Because it might be the one person that it takes to push the nation back from the brink. It might be that one person that you're talking to and you don't know it because you don't know them and you don't know where they're going or where they're headed to. I'm telling you, folks, this is, this is a very, very serious endeavor we've embarked on. We have a lot of fun doing it most of the time, but it's a very, very serious endeavor. 
Now, whether we'll make a difference or not in in the scheme of things, I have no idea. In my heart, I hope that that's that we do. Uh, if the if the nation has an election, and uh, and we elect uh, a president who does something to help it, regardless of who we elect, there'll be there'll be a honeymoon time uh, for a certain period of time, and then uh, uh, soon after that will be a reckoning. Uh, I'm personally. I'm I'm worried that uh, within a year to 18 months that we could be seeing some really really bad uh, times, but that's a, that's just one person's uh, guesstimate, all right. And regardless of what I think that I'm going to see, I'm still going to drive straight on with the mission, and that's what we need you to do. Just as the nation is struggling financially. It's not a whole lot different right now with Appleseed. Uh, Appleseed, because because we're having to go after the harder-to-get fish, you know, the first, when you're first starting out, you catch all the easy fish. You catch all the easy fish, you get them on the get them uh, to attend an event, get them on the line, you catch all the easy fish uh, right off the bat. And, uh, it's getting harder to fill the lines. And we're opening up more and more free categories. And, and of course, if we could get, if we could do everybody, if we could run the whole nation through free, we would. Appleseed would do that because it's not about the money. It's about the mission. However, I'll tell you right now that uh, that financially, the direction that we're heading for Appleseed is almost as disastrous as the direction that we're heading as a nation. Uh, Appleseed is is hemorrhaging out uh, probably twelve to fifteen thousand dollars a month. Uh, that we're in a deficit every month, and uh, and if we started out with uh, with five hundred thousand and uh, and we're losing uh, 140 to 180 thousand dollars a year with uh, with the payouts that we're paying. Uh, the, the math is pretty simple about how far we can go on. Uh, I don't I don't know anything about uh, about what we're going to do financially, but I can tell you this: that we're at some point we're going to have to do either get more folks on the line to do a better job of promotion and get more folks on the line, or we're going to have to start uh, tightening our apple seed belts. Uh, there's uh, there's no other way around it unless somebody uh, wins the, the lottery and helps fund the program. Uh, you know, we've tried to, we've tried to make it as easy as possible to attend. We get the prices down. The prices have never been raised. Uh, the price to attend an Appleseed, which is a, at the absolute best rifle marksmanship event in the United States, is still three to five times less than any other organization charges for any similar type rifle program. <clears throat> we have just about every category of free you can imagine. 
we got to the point where, at my, you know, there's uh, 50% of the people who attend events are attending at no charge. And like I said, we would gladly, we would gladly go on that way forever. We'd gladly uh, go to 100% free if it was financially possible. But I don't think that it is. So I'm not uh, I'm not telling you this from any uh, from any meetings or anything of uh, of the advisory board or anything. I'm just telling you I'm just telling you the facts of what it is, and that is that you know we're running a deficit of twelve to fifteen thousand dollars a month here at Appleseed. So unless we can start getting more folks on the line, more more paying folks on the line to cover the costs of instructors and supplies and shipping and everything else, then we may be looking at uh, at having to, uh, to to tighten our own belts fairly severely too. It's going to be tough. Like I told you at the beginning of this show, it's it's tough right now. And I don't, I don't see any way that it's going to do anything besides get tougher. And I think it, uh, I think that everybody should be, uh, should be looking at this and preparing. All right, I'm hoping that I'm I was gonna say I'm running a new computer here, so I'm trying to make sure that I'm uh, make sure I'm doing this right. Uh all right, uh, if you have anything to add to this, we'll be glad to hear you. We'll be glad to take your calls at three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. Three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. So if we are the government, and at the end of the day, we're responsible for the mess that we've gotten ourselves into, what are we going to do to get ourselves out of this mess? Our representatives have gotten so used to having a free hand at whatever they do because uh, mainly, I think, because of the media. I think if there was if there was ever uh, an evil uh, foe in this story, I think it's the media. Uh, they live on chaos. They thrive on uh, chaos and disaster. And, uh, and they've gone from uh, just reporting it to trying to create it. You know, at one time, the news was the news. They just, they told you uh, what was happening, all right? That was their job, to, to teach you or to tell you uh, what's been happening during the, the course of uh, of your day and week and month. And they've gone from that to being a an advertising agency. They've gone from being a news organization to an advertising agency. 
So now they live on their uh, advertising money. And in order to make sure they have more viewers, they have to create controversy. They have to uh, create uh, a climate of, uh, of fear and distrust and anger. They have to promote uh, racial disharmony. Uh, they have to promote fear uh, in their viewers. And... Uh, and to promote chaos. So if there is ever an evil uh an evil being I think that uh that's who it is. All right, so what can we do about that? Well, we'll have to we'll have to pay more attention. We'll have to do research ourselves. We'll have to, there's, there's plenty uh, of ways that you can uh, research things yourself now. Uh, you can go to the government websites. You can look at your, your senator's voting records. You can see what projects they're working on or not working on. Now, granted, the, uh, the, a lot of times the voting records, uh, the way they've got it set up, uh, they've made it uh, purposely confusing uh, for you to read it because uh, they're they're all trying to make sure that uh, they're covering their self and keeping you as confused as possible and keeping you bickering uh, between uh, R's and D's and L's and, and everything else, keeping you fighting because the more that you fight uh, with each other, the more that you have the idea that uh, uh, we're going to elect uh, uh, Representative R, uh, even though he's a criminal and he should be prosecuted, we're going to elect our Senator R because he's got to be better than Senator D, right? And the same way on the other side. As long as they can keep us confused and angry and punching each other in the face in the dark, then, then they're safe. They're safe in their feather beds that they've made up there because we'll be busy punching each other in the face instead of dragging them out and tar and feathering them. You see certain groups like, uh, like the Tea Party uh, who are really getting motivated and really uh, putting the pressure on their representatives, and uh, certainly you can see that the that the uh, Republicans have not embraced the the Tea Party because they're just as afraid of them as they're afraid of anybody else. The media has done everything possible uh, to make folks in the Tea Party uh, into uh, maniacs and murderers and racists and bigots. Uh, they've done every single thing they can to do that, and I'm sure that quite a bit of it has even been manufactured by the media. They've manufactured events and persons and things that they can uh, that they can point to. Um, they, they've salted the audience with responses that they can get uh, sound bits on, <clears throat> so that they can make sure that everybody everybody is infighting. 
everybody's fighting each other, and they're not going after the real enemy, the real demons in this. And that is the folks that we sent to Washington. Now, I'm not going to tell you that every single one of them uh, is sorry, is no good. Uh, I'm going to tell you that most of them are that way. And that even the ones who are trying to be good, they get pressured and turned. And uh, pretty soon by their by the end of their first term or the beginning of their second term, they're jaded and locked in and... Uh, and staked out and staked down uh, so that there's no way they can do anything. So how are we going to fix that? It would be nice if we could have a national referendum and we could vote out every single person in the government and replace every single one of them. Now, I don't know. Would that do any good other than causing a a huge amount of uh, confusion? I don't know. I think it would. I think if we could get rid of every single person uh, in the government, including the Supreme Court justices, then I think that uh, we would have a good chance at uh, at getting the train back on the track. But I, I don't see that coming. I don't see that happening with uh, without some uh, major uh, life-changing event. But we we may be headed there. We may be headed toward that. And you guys know that uh, I quite often have guests on, uh, like uh, Jack Spierko or Aaron Frankel from uh, In the Rabbit Hole. I have these guys on to talk to you about making sure that, uh, that you are living a lifestyle that allows you to be prepared in the event of tough times, such as uh, any type of a... Uh, uh, cessation of services, uh, any type of a uh, of a uh, of a crisis where you can't get food or you can't get utilities or something like that. Uh, I've had them come on the show because I want them to talk to the uh, Rifleman Radio listeners because I think it's their, your duty. Uh, as a citizen of the United States, to be prepared to face tough times. Now, I'm not talking about just uh, uh, some uh, Great Depression-style thing. I'm talking about even just localized things, uh, tornadoes, earthquakes, hurricanes, uh, ice storms, any of this. I think it's your duty to be prepared enough uh, that you can safely get you and your family through it and be an asset to your community, be a leader in your community. Be a leader in your community and provide uh, uh, leadership and comfort and aid to your community in the event of any type of natural or man-made disaster. As a rifleman, that's what you should be trying to do. So I have these guys on, on fairly regularly, and I talk to you about it pretty regularly because I want you to be prepared. So I think that you should be at the same time that you're that you're working on the rest of your mission. You should be looking at making sure that uh, making sure that you have an ample supply of uh, food, a year's supply of food, uh, that you have ways to make sure that you have 
uh, clean drinking water for your family. Make sure that you have uh, uh, medical supplies, uh, extra fuel, uh, lanterns, you know, any of the stuff like that so that you can weather a natural or man-made disaster and, and, and provide for your family and then provide for your community. I think it's very important. Bring her back in. No. Hold on, just one minute, guys. All right, I have a little bit of dog crisis there. I think it's very important that uh, that you keep yourself ready and that you're able to provide leadership and comfort and aid uh, to your community in the event of a national or man-made disaster, all right? That's why I have those guys on, because I want you to, uh, I want you to, to hear this message uh, regularly. Uh, like I said, not because I'm trying to prepare you for any type of a, a problem with the government, because I'm not. I'm trying to get you to think about uh, living your life the same way that you're, that your uh, grandparents did. I mean, I told you before that uh, if you were to, to go to your grandparents and they tell them, hey, listen, uh, I've got this, i got a great idea, and I want you to hear me out. Uh, here's what I think we should do. I think that we should, uh, we should buy extra food and uh, keep it in the cellar and then uh, also keep, like, some extra fuel down there, some lanterns in the vehicles and stuff, and uh, maybe keep some extra tools in there that we might need and extra clothes and stuff there, you know, in case something happens. What, what do you guys think about that? And they would just look at you in kind of, uh, you know, in just kind of a blank stare because that is how they lived their lives. That's how they lived their lives. You know, they did that. They did that naturally. If I would have told my grandparents that, they would have just kind of giggled because I, I I was in their cellar when I was growing up. You know, I saw the, the food packed from the floor to the ceiling, more food than they could eat or use. Uh, and I saw all of the, uh, the preparations they had made uh, in case there was uh, a some type of a cessation of services. And they depended on themselves. They didn't depend on the the government. And I don't want us to be that way. Right now, everybody depends uh, on the government for whatever it is. And the government wants you to do that. Uh, the government needs you to do that because the government needs to be uh, uh, the source of all things good in your life because that helps secure their – that helps keep their, their job security. They want you to work for them. They want you to depend on them for everything. They want you to, to get a regular check from them uh, so that you can't say that they're doing a bad job and you can't get rid of them because then you lose your check, all right? And uh, this is a natural thing. Uh, almost all entities that are created uh, try to become self-sustaining and, and self-protecting uh, to defend themselves and defend their uh, existence, and government is no different. 
or at least the government in Washington is no different. Because I told you already that the real government, uh, at least a small part of it, are the folks that are listening. You are the real government. And the folks in Washington are trying to make sure that they do everything possible to keep you asleep and keep you away from that notion, keep you from reading the Constitution, keep you from understanding what your job is so that they can keep doing what they want uh, with nary a, a word or worry about you. Right now, the the folks in Washington are, uh, they have a continuous spin going. They have a continuous uh, line of confusion and, and tons of information being spewed out that is uh, like uh, chafe, uh, like chafe and glue. They're trying to push, trying to push out so much uh, uh, information uh, that uh, that it makes it impossible for you to wade through it all. It makes it impossible for you to to get a grip because uh, these the things that they are doing uh, are buried inside tons and tons of uh, of information and paperwork. Good grief! Look at the uh, look at the health care bill that got pushed through. Pushed through and approved with no one reading it. Nobody had read it. Not even the uh, not even the people that started it. And they actually even said uh, we need to pass it so that we can find out what's in it. Can you believe that? That that we've gotten to that level, and that the people are allowing that. Can you believe that we've gotten to the point where? Uh, McCain and Feingold can push through uh, a bill that limits the uh, freedom of political speech. Can you believe that? Well, we're there. We're there. We did it. We pushed through... uh, They pushed through a bill that would limit... uh, what you can say about a politician uh, in the months uh, uh, before the election. The freedom of speech, in the the Bill of Rights, the freedom freedom of speech was put in to protect exactly that form of speech. It wasn't put into place so that uh, you could burn a flag or uh, or 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 submerge a cross in a jar of urine, uh, it does to protect that, and, you know, and and good on them for that. Uh, I'm glad that it does, because maybe there's times that I want to say some things that other people uh, won't be happy about hearing, and I don't want to get arrested for it. The, The freedom of speech was put in because people were being arrested for saying things about uh, politicians. They're saying that uh, politician uh, XYZ uh, is no good. He did this and this. And it could very well be the truth. But because uh, the politicians uh, didn't like what they were saying, they would have him arrested. 
for speaking about uh, the government. So that's what it's for. And here we are, 235 years later, and we have uh, we have a bill pushed through to limit the freedom of speech on politicians. Why? Because nobody's paying attention. Because nobody's paying attention, and and the rest of the people were uh, were letting it run through because they said, "Yeah, we'll go ahead and do this." Uh, you know, there's no problem because it's never going to pass. No, certainly, nobody would ever allow it to pass. So we'll just we'll sign off on it so that uh, we don't have to worry about uh, you know about the trouble of it. And lo and behold, it goes right through and goes into law. This is happening every day. Why? Because because the folks in Washington know that most of America is too lazy and too apathetic to pay any attention and and to actually uh, open the door to the kitchen and catch them uh, with their hand in the cookie jar stealing the cookies. Nobody's going to see it. Nobody's going to know. And if they do, we'll just blame the R's or we'll blame the D's. We'll say it was them doing it. And... Uh, and it will, of course we'll get away from it because the American public, uh, they all have uh, ADD and uh, they can't really remember uh, something that went on uh, more than five or six months and it's gone, right? We'll get the news, uh, we'll get the media to uh, stir up uh, uh, something about uh, uh, Angelina and uh, Brad Pitt uh or we'll have some of the uh, we'll have some of the senators or congressmen uh, go skinny dipping, and uh, and we'll run that as a front page for uh, for a month or so while we get this uh, fixed up, and, and nobody will know. And they do it, and we just sit back and uh, and we do like what I used to do: we bang on the TV and we yell, we yell out the window. I used to yell out the window. Uh, what's going on? Why won't somebody stop this? You know, because there's nobody around to hear me. There people said they heard me before. <clears throat> but that was my release. That's what I used to do. Now I'm working with Appleseed. And through Appleseed, uh, I, I've been, uh, I've rubbed shoulders with the, with lots of other uh, organizations. And I've, I've taken the time to figure out uh who my representatives are, and to spend time talking to them so that I'm on a first-name basis with the staff. And that's something that you should do, too. And people say, well, what can I do? How, what can I do? How can I do anything? Well, you can pay attention to what's being done. You can pay attention to uh, uh, to what's going on up in Washington, and if it's not something that uh if it's not something that you want to see, then you need to you've got to do something about it. You've got to plug yourself in somewhere. Alright? <clears throat> you can call your representatives, you can call your senators and congressmen, and you're not gonna to talk to them, but you're certainly gonna to talk to their staff members. And when you do You've got to speak to them in a polite, rational way. 
You can't start yelling and screaming. You can't curse. None of that. Because they'll hang up on you. And I think that they should. If if I answer the phone and you were calling up screaming and cursing, I would hang up too. Without a doubt. In one second. What you've got to do is you've got to call and speak to them rationally and tell them what your needs are as an American citizen. What your needs are as uh, your uh, as your senator or congressman's uh, constituent. You've got to let them know how you feel about the job that they're doing, because that's the only power that you have. There's no power in in the muzzle of a rifle. Not for this. All right. Appleseed is not a deterrent program by force of rifle. Uh, Appleseed is a deterrent program by virtue of the fact that we're waking people up. We're getting people off of the couch. We're getting the remote control out of their hand. We're telling them that there's more important things in life than the 30-minute sitcoms that they are... uh, that they're plugged into, that they're living their life through. We're getting them involved. Appleseed is like a, it's a great big uh, Paul Revere uh, organization, a great big launch pad. Because you get folks to come to an event, you get them to set themselves a goal, you know, a small goal, of improving their rifle marksmanship, because that's what they're there for that day, right? That's what they came for. Uh, that's the thing that gets them there, is improving their rifle marksmanship. They have that set as their goal, and then the majority of the folks who attend an event uh, will meet and exceed uh, the goal that they set for themselves. And for the folks that do that, that the natural and logical uh, next conclusion is, is what's next? That's the next question they're going to ask is, what next? Where do I go from here? What goals do I set myself set for myself now? So you've got to be ready to, uh, to help make suggestions to them on what they can do next. And you do that in the benediction. You do that uh, when you're talking to them during the day. You get them to think about, uh, first off, about becoming uh, uh, members of the Appleseed Program of becoming members and then instructors in the program and helping to spread the word. And I'll tell you right now, guys, the 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 only real uh the only real determination of whether an event was a success or a failure is whether or not you got any instructors. If you got anybody uh to take up the the instructor's hat. Now, I don't mean a failure as in you ran a, you're a failure uh, as a shoot boss. I mean that the goal, uh, the the way to measure the success of this is going to be how many instructors you can get at an event. Because the only way we're going to grow is by having enough instructors to run enough of uh, to run the events that we're trying to run, we're trying to grow the program and run more and more events. And the only way that's going to happen is for us, is for us to enlarge 
the instructor core. Enlarge our instructor cadre because that's the only way we're going to be able to expand to more places and do more events uh, without burning out the group that we have. So that should be one of your main goals uh, at each event is, is to get an instructor or to plant the seeds in the folks that are there, plant the seed in them of becoming an instructor. And uh, and there's many ways of doing this. I try and I try and, and start off the meet and greet in the morning. I try and start it off with that. I have the folks, uh, you know, we go around in a circle. They tell me uh, they who you know their name, where they're from, and I get them to, to say it out loud because if there are other people from their town, I want them to know that who those other people are that are there, so that those two people or three people can get together and start working uh, in their town. Or either on shooting or getting a, a new venue to shoot at, whatever. <clears throat> and then I introduce the instructors, and then I explain to them uh, about the hats. Uh, they're going to see different color hats, and uh, and regardless of uh, the colors of the hats, that we all got started the same way. We went to an Appleseed event. Uh, we set a goal of improving our rifle marksmanship. We met and then exceeded that goal. And then we asked, what's next? And that the instructor there told us about becoming uh, an Appleseed Project uh, rifle instructor. And we decided that that was, that was the thing for us. And we eventually became instructors. Now, the, you, you, just because you don't get one that day doesn't mean that it's a failure. Because you set the if you once you've laid the seeds out, once you put that seed into their head, you don't know where it's going to go. You, there, there's once you put the seed out, you have no more control over it. And uh, and I've had folks who have come to an Appleseed event, shot the rifleman standards. I gave them the uh, the spiel on becoming an instructor, and then I didn't hear from them for nine months. And all of a sudden, uh, one weekend, they showed it back up. And they said, okay, I'm ready. Okay, I'm ready now. So you never know where the seed that you plant is going to go. Like I said, you have no control over that. You put the seeds out, and that's, that's all the control you have is putting the seeds out. But you've got to do it. Uh, and we have to grow our instructor core. We absolutely must grow the instructor core. And then, like I said earlier, on top of that uh, is – Getting enough people on the lines, uh, you know, some people criticize Appleseed and say it's just a game of numbers. Well, I'll tell you it is. It is a game of numbers. And here's why, because you've got to, you've got to go through uh, maybe 100, uh, 100 attendees in order to, uh, to get that one instructor. You may have to go through 100 of them to get one good instructor, one that's going to stay. Uh, you may have to go through uh, 300 or 400 or 500 uh, attendees to get that one uh, individual who's going to be a hot shot and is eventually going to end up as uh, a state coordinator or a regional coordinator. Uh, so it is a game of numbers. And it's also a game of numbers as far as uh, as 
we're going to have to get uh, enough people on the lines at each event to make sure that we have a positive flow of cash to continue on with the mission, to continue bankrolling the mission. Uh, unless you, as I said, unless you can win the lottery, then uh, then we're going to have to make sure that we get a positive flow of people. Then we're not doing these events uh, where instead of uh, uh, running the event and having the event uh, bring in uh, $800, $900, that we ran the event and we ended up with a net loss of uh, of three to four hundred bucks or something like that. So it is a game of numbers in that sense. So you got to ask yourself, where are where are we not doing our jobs? Where are we not doing the things that we need to be doing in order to make sure that that our mission is a success? <clears throat> and you may be doing something else, too. You may be doing apple seed. You may be doing something else. You may be uh, uh, one of the folks involved in politics, or you may be uh, belong to uh, some other organization that's doing something. And that's exactly what you're supposed to be doing, right? You're supposed to be involved in Appleseed, and then you're also supposed to be in four or five other groups. Remember how successful Benjamin Franklin was? He was a member of, uh, he was the only one who was a member of uh, of almost all of the groups uh, in Boston. And you should be doing the same thing. You should be involved in Appleseed and doing your bit there, and then you should be cross-pollinating and working somewhere else. Uh, and if you're not working with some other group or something else, uh, then you should be making sure that you're doing your bit by keeping track of what your senators and congressmen are doing, and not just at the very top level. You need to make sure that you are starting at the very bottom level that you're starting down at the level of the school boards and your local elections and the primaries because whatever gets fed into the system and gets shot out at the other end, it's got to start down there, down locally with you. All politics are local, uh, and I'm not telling you anything new. Uh, this is, uh, it's, a, it's an old uh, saying and because it's a true saying. All politics are local. And uh, at the end of the day, the folks that get fed into the system from the one side uh, are the folks that are going to be spit out on the other. So you should be doing everything within your power to make sure that uh, we're putting the right people uh, into the system at the beginning of it. Is this going to work? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm certainly hoping that it is. I'm certainly hoping that the things that we're doing are are having an effect, and I'm going to continue doing it. Uh, I'm going to continue doing it until until the ship is completely sunk, until I'm just sitting there floating in the water with my bucket, 
and there's nothing, there's no other, no ship in sight because it's down at the bottom of the sea. I'm going to continue doing my job until then. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to waver. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to keep doing it. And that's what we need from you. And believe me, I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. Uh, I know it is. Uh, I tell folks all the time, you know, that that being an apple seed, being a being an instructor is hard. It's very very hard. And and I'll tell you too. Another thing that I think is very honest is that I think that there are a lot of folks who who come into the program and they see the difficulty of it and they stay with the program for a while and and maybe they get run, run down or burn out and they and they're tired of how much work it takes and uh but they don't want to quit because then uh, in in their minds and in the minds of, of what they consider all their peers and their apple seed peers and everything, then they're quitters, then they're failures. So a lot of times what these folks do is they wait until until there's some kind of controversy uh, within the organization, and they use that as their excuse to jump out. I'm not saying everybody does this. I'm just saying I know for a fact that some people do because they've told me that. So that's all I know. But the point of the story is that apple seed is hard. It's hard work. It's hard work, and and if you do it right, it's very, very hard work. Uh, if you're doing it like you're supposed to be doing it, where you're doing the real work, which all the real work occurs between the end of uh, the event on Sunday evening, and the beginning of the event on Saturday morning. Those 28 days, though, that's where the real hard work is. The Appleseed event itself is just the, the cream. It's the icing on the cake. The real work, the hard work, is the stuff that has to be done in between the events. And you don't have to work, uh, you don't have to be uh, an Appleseed instructor. You can come to the event, you can uh, you can learn these skills and, uh, and techniques that we teach. And, uh, and if Appleseed's not for you, that's fine. Then uh, you can go on to some other organization or some other program, that's fine. But but you have to be doing something, all right? You have to be doing something. If you're not doing apple seed, then find something else. And uh, and if you find something else that's more effective, tell me about it. Maybe, maybe I want to do that too. But right now, apple seed is a thing that's working for me. <clears throat> All right. Uh, 
I'm not trying to to bring everybody down uh, with the discussion tonight. Uh, I'm just telling you that uh, that is the the state of our nation uh, has become very dire, and uh, and it's going to take all of us uh, if we're going to change. The direction that we're headed uh, in at the speed we're headed at because uh, we're certainly uh, we're certainly traveling at a breakneck speed uh, in a very bad direction and uh, and it's going to take the real government the people it's going to take us to fix it uh, if you have anything you want to add, there's a, I see some folks in the chat room. Uh, uh, I see some folks in the chat room. I can't. I'm, I'm only got the little uh, flash screen here. Uh, but if you have some things you want to add, you're welcome to call in. The number is three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. Three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. The time to to think about doing something, uh, it was uh, years ago. I, I wish that I would have known. Uh, I wish that I would have known about Appleseed uh, twenty years ago. I wish it would have started twenty years ago, so that we could be we could be uh, that many years. We could be fourteen years ahead. Because I think that uh, the Apple C project is a viable program, and I think that uh, with as long as as with any program, uh, it's going to have its growing pains. And the program has only been around for uh, uh, a little over six years, and uh, it's certainly going to have growing pains. It's certainly going to have problems. Uh, every organization does. And uh, and as we grow, as we learn, uh, I'm hoping that the program continues to evolve and continues to work on ways to to help right the ship, to help preserve the freedoms and liberties that that we enjoy, that we take for granted. <clears throat> you know, we had. Uh, uh, buzz on last week the uh, the Australian. I told you the story about uh, the Australian boys who had uh, who had uh, the Australians lost the right to uh, to have uh, uh, almost any firearms. So uh, these Australian boys had heard about the program in the United States, and they had. Uh, Whittled up their whittled themselves wooden rifles out of two by fours and stuff, and they sent off for the uh, the information from Apple City, and they had worked on it and worked on it and worked on it, and then finally they had scheduled themselves a vacation, and they'd come to the United States and went to an Apple Seed and shot the rifle and standards. <clears throat> well, this is what their they're practicing, they're doing all the drills 
with wooden rifles they'd whittled out, right? So when I talk to you about about dry firing being important, I'm telling you it is. These guys taught themselves to be riflemen with wooden rifles. And they came to the United States and uh, and using real rifles then, then they shot the rifleman standards. Now I don't know what happened to them after that. I imagine they went back to their went back to their country. The country which is a uh which is a uh, a, a a large leading nation where the people uh, where you would you you would never think that they would lose their right to uh, have firearms here, but they did. They did, and who knows if they'll ever get them back? We're no different. Just because we have uh, freedom, we have liberty, doesn't mean we're always going to have it. We take it for granted. We take it for granted that every single day we're gonna we're gonna get up, we're gonna flick a switch, and the lights are gonna come on. We're gonna turn a handle, and water's gonna come out. Uh, that uh, that we're gonna turn the key in our car, and it's gonna start. And that every single day when we wake up, we are gonna have the rights, the freedoms, and the liberties that we had the day before we went to sleep. And every one of those things that I mentioned, we can lose. You can lose the power to your house. You can lose your water. Uh, Your battery can be dead or the engine can be shot, and you can lose your rights, your freedoms. Right now it's just happening piecemeal, uh, like rats gnawing at the Bill of Rights and... uh, and chewing off little parts uh, a little bit at a time. And because of that, we don't take it very seriously. Because uh, because we open the cabinets and there's uh, there's only one bag of beans that was chewed into, we can we can take those that bag of beans and throw in the trash, and we can say the uh, damn mice, and uh, and we can go on with our day. Instead what we need to do is the first time we see rat feces or mice feces in the cabinet, we need to put out traps and poison and stop it right then and there. And that's what we're going to have to do. Now, I told you earlier about... uh, uh, about Chunker, Chuck Undersea and uh, the project that he's running with uh, his movie, Behold a, a Pale Horse. Now, he's going to have the second part of it uh, done sometime, I think, in October or November, and we're going to have him on again. And uh, and then he'll have released the third part of the, of the movie, of the documentary, and then we'll have him on again after that because I think it's very important that uh, that you guys listen to to some of the people that are on there. Now, I'm not going to tell you that that I I swallow everything anybody says whole. Anytime somebody says something to me, then I go and I check it out. I never, I don't care who it is, I never take things at face value. I always make sure that I check them out, that I find out what the truth is on my own. And that's what you'll have to do with the stuff uh, uh from uh, the movie Behold a Pale Horse. 
<clears throat> you don't uh, you don't swallow everything that they're saying just because they say that uh, that they're afraid of the government or they're worried about it and and so because they are then you should be too and you should believe what they're saying okay that's not the way that you do it they can be just as wrong as anybody else anytime somebody says something to you or tells you something go and check it out it's no different than than the emails you know i get the emails all the time from folks uh, the government is attacking they're going to take all of your firearms because of uh, uh house bill xyz and it takes me about 15 to 20 seconds to uh to put h h h b x y z into google click on it and find out that uh that it is a scare email that's been running around the internet for the last 10 years all right something they could have done themselves but they didn't they just swallowed it whole they hit the send to entire address in my email and send it out uh like chicken little you know with uh with the sky falling we can't do that we can't afford to do that we got to check out everything that uh we hear The things that you find true are the things that you believe in your heart, and those are the things that you'll need to address. <clears throat> we can't – I can't tell you everything that you should be doing uh, to ensure that you're safeguarding your freedoms and liberties, all right? You're going to have to figure it out for yourself. You're going to have to figure out the things that you can do, uh, the things that you want to do, the places that you want to plug yourself in and get involved but you have to do this. There's no other way. I'm telling you, folks, there's no other way that that what is that the situation that we're currently facing is going to get fixed without you personally signing on and taking a hand in fixing it. You know, it's no different than uh, I, I tell my kids. Uh, there's a, a candy wrapper or something laying on the floor. And they're walking past it all day long. They're having to step over that candy wrapper then. And I tell them, I said, look, this is your house. This belongs to you. It's your responsibility uh, to keep the house clean and neat and uh, and safe and efficient, just as much your responsibility as anyone else's. You can't keep stepping over the candy wrapper. And it's no different with us and our nation. We can't keep stepping over the candy wrapper. We can't keep stepping over the piece of paper in the parking lot. We've got to do something about it because I'm telling you, uh, I'm telling you as I live and breathe that we are headed for a very bad place. What it is or how big and bad it's going to be, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't. And uh, but I can tell you, we're headed there. We're headed there just as fast as we can. And the only way that we're going to avoid ending up there is with the help of each and every one of you guys. <clears throat> now, I want to remind you, folks. Uh, I 
want to remind you that uh, we're having the instructor uh, no-distance shoot here in the villa on Saturday, September 15th. Uh, I don't know if there's any slots left or not. I think uh, there was only one slot left last week because uh, we had it capped at 15. But uh, you can certainly check and see if it is. And I want to remind everybody, too, that on the 16th, <clears throat> that uh, we'll be having a fighting shotgun course on the 16th on Sunday. It's a six-hour course. Uh, you'll run about uh, 320 or 20, 330 rounds of 12-gauge uh, or, or whatever shotgun you're shooting. You'll run about 320 rounds, I believe. Uh, I believe there's uh, 300 rounds of uh, of field shot. Uh, you know, the bird shot, and then uh, either 20 or 30 rounds of uh, slug and buck. And that will be on the 16th. And this is going to be a really super class. Uh, my partner, uh, Mark Alonso, has just finished, I think, his seventh or eighth shotgun course, and he's uh, taken all of the stuff that he has uh been taught in those classes and boiled it down, just like we do at Appleseed, boiled it down and then added uh, real-life scenario approaches to it. And uh, you can get more information about it, and you can pre-register for the event by going to battleroadusa.com. Battleroadusa.com. And I think that we still have uh, four or five slots left open for Sunday, September 16th. All right, guys, uh, I want to... uh, to thank everybody for uh, for listening tonight, and I want to remind you that uh, that it's going to be your duty to to find out where you can plug yourself in, and then plug yourself in and start working. We'll see you next uh, Thursday, 7 p.m. Central. All right. God bless everybody. God bless you, folks. Good night, folks. I was
Take a spot. 